Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation, as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, we are all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana. And how does it help us in our day-to-day life? Vipassana is a very ancient technique of India, long lost. It was rediscovered by Gautama the Buddha. He made use of this technique to become fully enlightened then out of infinite compassion and love started distributing it to one and all. For about 500 years this technique helped the people of India, went to other countries and helped the people of those countries also But due to some reason, it got lost in India, the country of its origin. In other countries also, it got lost. Only one country, neighboring country, Myanmar, that is Burma, maintained it in its pristine purity for more than 2,000 years, from teacher to pupil, from teacher to pupil. About three decades back, it came back to India. People in India accepted it very willingly. And then it started moving around the world. Everywhere it is welcomed because there is no blind faith involved, no blind belief involved. It is so rational, so pragmatic, so logical, so scientific, and at the same time, result-oriented, gives result here and now. And it is so non-sectarian that people from different traditions easily accepted. 
today there is no religion in the world whose followers are not attending 10 day vipassana courses the leaders of different traditions different religions are also participating because it is so non sectarian and no conversion is involved one who practices vipassana need not get converted from one organized religion to another organized religion conversion of course is involved but conversion is from misery to happiness from bondage to liberation from ignorance to enlightenment from cruelty to compassion and the world needs it today everywhere we see everywhere so much of terror violence full of cruelty innocent people men women children are killed such heinous crimes is there a way out vipassana gives us light in this era of darkness it is quite amazing ununderstandable why someone kills somebody else without knowing this person one does not have any animosity with this person this person has not harmed him and yet killing is there hundreds and thousands of people are just killed innocent people what is the root cause one thing that becomes clearer and clearer is when the religion loses spirituality it is no more religion spirituality is the quint essence of every religion of the world and spirituality means live a moral life with a disciplined mind pure mind full of love compassion goodwill tolerance this spirituality is the teaching of every religion worth the name and yet all the followers of every religion will say we also got the same teaching look we also got same teaching but the practice is totally different why spirituality is the greatest common denominator of all the religions 
inner essence of all the religions. But every religion has got the outer shell which differs from one to the other, this outer shell, with their rites, rituals, celebrations, ceremonies, philosophical beliefs, dogmas, they differ. Nothing wrong. Let a section of the society be happy with his outer shell, other section of the society may be happy with another outer shell, but should not miss the inner essence. The difficulty arises when we miss the inner essence. That means no more love, no more compassion, no more goodwill. Although everyone talks so high of it, but in practice, no love, no compassion, no goodwill no purity, because so much importance people have started giving to this outer shell and enormous amount of attachment towards this outer shell to the extent that one wants everybody else to accept our outer shell. Our outer shell is the real shell. Our philosophical belief is the real philosophical belief. Our rites and rituals are the real rites and rituals. You must believe. That means you get converted to our religion. Otherwise you will be killed. This madness. Great misfortune for the mankind. Thus this has become so strong. Vipassana helps one to come out of it. In 1955, I had my first course of 10 days Vipassana. I was born and brought up in Burma in a very staunch conservative Sanatani family. I'm quite happy that I got the base of spirituality. And at the age of 31, due to some reason, unavoidable, I joined this course. With so much of misgivings in my mind, this is Buddhism. This is the teaching of Buddha. How can I, how can I take a course like this? I had a very severe type of migraine, no doctors in the world, could help me. Doctors in Burma started giving me morphine injection. Every time, in a fortnight, I get an attack, morphine injection, morphine injection. And they also started worrying that I might become morphine addict, but they had no other painkiller. So they advised me, for your business, you keep on going around the world. You forget this time business and go around to come out of morphine, this special type of migraine. There is no treatment we know, but they might have some special painkiller. Try. I spent a lot of time, a lot of money with the best doctors in Switzerland, in Germany, in England, in USA, in Japan. Nobody could take me out of migraine. Nobody could take me out of morphia. 
Then a very close friend of mine, who was the first Attorney General of Burma, and later on became Supreme Court Judge, he pressed me hard, take this 10 course. Yours is psychosomatic disease. If the mind gets calmed down, it gets purified, then your tension will go away. You have so much tension in life. His advice was good, but still the hesitation was there. From the very childhood, I was trained like many others. Swadharame nidhanam shreya paradharmo bhayava. Better die in your own religion. Better die in your own religion. But don't go to any other religion. And this is other religion. This is Buddhism. How can I go? My very good friend told me, at least meet your teacher. Meet who is the teacher of Vipassana. And place before him your problems, if you have any. I met him. He was also a householder, a very high official of the government, accountant general of Burma. Such a saintly person. Entire atmosphere around him, so peaceful, full of love, full of compassion. When I told him, sir, I have hesitation to join the camp because I am a very staunch Hindu and this is Buddhism. He smiled. He said, you are leader of the Hindu community in this country. Tell me, in your Hindu religion, is there any objection to practice Sheila, that is morality? Any objection? How can there be objection to morality? How can my religion object? No religion in the world will object to morality. Look, this is what I am going to teach you. Sheila. Morality. But how can you practice morality? Unless you have control over your mind. I will train your mind to be controlled, to be disciplined. You will become master of your mind, not slave of your mind. And we call it samadhi. Any objection? In my Hindu scriptures, I had been reading Samadhi, Samadhi. This Muni went to the forest, that Rishi went to the forest and they had Samadhi. I'm a householder. I never knew how to have Samadhi. If somebody teaches me Samadhi, mastery over the mind, no, sir, no objection. And then he said, this is not enough. Even with deep absorption Samadhi, you will certainly calm down your mind. Mind will become tranquil. Mind will get purified. But just on the surface level, or slightly deeper level, at the depth of the mind, at the root of the mind, there is a very unwholesome behavior pattern which keeps on generating one defilement or the other. And time and again, one of these defilement will be like a volcanic eruption. And all your tranquility will go away. Your purity will go away. Suddenly it came to my mind, 
the case of Rishi Vishwamitra, the case of Rishi Durvasa. And he said, for that purification of the mind at the depth, I will teach you Pragya. Pragya. Any objection? By Pragya, you will go to the depth of the mind and purify the mind at the root level. Pragya. I was a follower of Gita. Actually, I was a preacher of Gita. I used to give discourses on Gita. Sthita Pragya Shaka Bhasha. Who is a Sthita Pragya? Vita Raghavaya Karodhaya Sthita Dhiramani Uchchate. Such people are Sthita Pragya. Who are free from anger, free from fear, free from ego. I was full of all that. I may be talking about Pragya, Pragya, Pragya. But I never got any benefit of this Pragya. And here is somebody who says, you will teach me Pragya, insight, by which the habit pattern of the mind at the root level will get changed. No, sir, no objection. That's all. We teach here only Shila, morality, Samadhi, to control the mind, and Pragya, to purify the mind. Nothing else. Buddha never taught anything except Shila, Samadhi, Panya. And that too, not mere sermons. He gave a practical way. And these ten days you will learn how to practice it, how to apply it in life. I agree. Let me give it a trial. And he said, I am not going to convert you from this religion to that religion. I am going to convert you. You will become a better human being. That's all. A Hindu becomes a better Hindu. A Christian becomes a better Christian. A Muslim becomes a better Muslim. A Buddhist becomes a better Buddhist. Better human being. Unless one is a good human being, how can one be a good Hindu or good Buddhist or good Christian or good Jewish? Good human being. Yes, let me give it a try. When I joined the course, he gave me a small booklet. The first page of it had Buddha's words. Buddha gave a discourse to his followers. Kalama, this was a, this was a, a community near today's Allahabad, Banaras, between them. He gave a discourse there. As I was reading it, I got thrilled. He says, don't believe. Don't believe anything that you have been hearing from long time. Don't believe anything because it is believed by so many people. Don't believe anything because it is written in your scriptures. Don't believe. Don't believe anything even if it looks logical. Don't believe anything. Even your teacher, that means I, the Buddha, even he says, don't believe, don't believe. 
you experience yourself. And if you find that, yes, it is good for me and good for others, then only believe, then only accept it. And not only that, then live the life and you will get the benefit. Oh, such a great teacher. He says, don't believe even me. Don't believe even scriptures. Examine yourself. Not just at the intellectual level, at the experiential level. And you find it is really helpful to you and helpful to everybody, then only accept. I got a very thrilling sensation. Look, founder of a religion says, don't believe me. Don't believe my words. Experience it. You get benefit by experiencing only. Mere believing won't help you. You have to experience that. That made me understand how difficulty arises in the human society because we don't only believe what is said in our tradition, in our scriptures, by our guru, by our teacher. Not only we believe, we become so much attached to it. Tremendous amount of attachment. This is right. Everything else, else is wrong. This is right. And that creates negative emotions, hatred towards others, anger towards others. Otherwise, why so many people are killed? One does not know who is being killed. One is killed, a large number of people are killed because they belong to some other race, they belong to some other community, they belong to some other religion, they have got different beliefs, or they have got different colors, because of this attachment. And the teacher who gave me Vipassana, he said, don't believe me also, but for 10 days give a fair trial and see how it helps you. And I started working, started working. Every day I found the teaching so rational, so scientific, no dogma, no cult, no blind belief, pure science, pure science of mind and matter, interaction of mind and matter, how mind keeps on influencing the matter, the body, and how the matter, the body keeps on influencing the mind at a very deeper level. And the so-called conscious mind does not know at all what is happening deep inside. And this interaction deep inside becomes stronger and stronger. One starts generating defilements, craving, aversion, craving, aversion, raga, dvesha, raga, dvesha. All other defilements are product of raga, dvesha, and of course, moha, ignorance. One does not know what is happening within oneself. One does not know that every moment I am harming myself. What bigger ignorance it can be? Nobody wants to harm oneself. Everyone wants to live a happy life, peaceful life, harmonious life. Yet, one keeps on generating one defilement or the other and loses the balance of the mind loses the peace of the mind, harmony of the mind, becomes miserable. 
without knowing what one is doing. Oh, this teaching is scientific to understand where misery arises and how it starts multiplying, multiplying, how an impurity arises, gets multiplied, multiplied, and one gets overpowered. And then one doesn't know what one is doing. One performs very unwholesome vocal action, one performs very unwholesome physical action, and then later on starts repenting, I should not have said so, I should not have done so. But again, similar situation. And the same type of reaction. It became clearer and clearer. Everyone is a slave of one's own unwholesome habit pattern at the root level of the mind. We can work to pacify the mind at the surface level, slightly deeper level. We will feel very peaceful, very harmonious. But it is not lasting. It passes away. Because the habit pattern remains the same all the time, generating nothing but misery, misery, misery. So the technique that was taught, self-realization, truth-realization, realization of the truth pertaining to oneself, within oneself, by oneself, at the experiential level. Not an intellectual game. All the sages and seers of the past have said, know thyself. I had been reading that. I was also reading that, know thyself, know thyself. I was wondering, I know, I know myself, I am going there. So what? What again, know thyself? What is this teaching? Now it was becoming clear how to know yourself. Then the words of all the saintly people became so clear. Apo jane apo ap rogan When you know yourself, no more misery for you. You're out of misery. A Muslim saint of Punjab says, a saint is a saint. What Muslim? What Hindu? What Christian? What Jain? What Buddhist? A saint. One who has a pure heart, a noble-minded person, is a saint. And this noble saint says, Hashem Rab Pachata Janaha Apana Ap Pachata one who has realized the truth about oneself has realized the God Almighty. Before taking Vipassana, I was just wondering, what is this realization of self and what is this God realization of God Almighty? What they are talking? With Vipassana, it became clearer and clearer. Every word of the saints became so clear because every saint wanted you to experience the truth, not just to believe. If you have a blind belief, blind faith, it won't help. Of course, belief should be there, faith should be there, but as an inspiration, as a guidance, 
Actually, you have to experience the truth yourself. So how to experience the truth about myself? Whenever you join a course of 10 days of Vipassana, you'll be asked to sit down. Sit down comfortably in any posture that suits you, that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch. is a good posture for you. Not necessary lotus posture or half lotus posture. Someone can sit conveniently, go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture. But try to keep your back and neck straight. Eyes gently closed, mouth gently closed. Now there is no vocal action, no physical action, you are just sitting. What reality is manifesting? What reality pertaining to your physical structure, your mental structure, what reality you experience? The first reality that you experience is the incoming breath, the outgoing breath. Start with that. Just observe. Incoming breath, outgoing breath. But don't make it a breathing exercise. Don't try to control the breath. There is a different technique altogether, which is very good. It has its own benefit, pranayama. But this is totally against pranayama. Don't interfere with the natural flow of breath. Just observe. The exercise is to develop your faculty to observe the reality objectively, as it is, not as you would like it to be. So the first reality, the breath coming in, going out. You are asked to keep your attention on a small area below the nostrils, above the upper lip. And keep on observing every breath coming in, going out. Initially, it is difficult because mind keeps on wandering and you bring it back, it wanders, you bring it back. But within two, three days, mind starts coming down, coming down. And then the real practice of Vipassana starts. The whole path is path of reality. Every step you have to be with the reality. That is why the breath also, the real breath, the natural breath, the normal breath, nothing should be added to it. Just breath, mere breath. No verbalization is allowed. No visualization is allowed. No imagination is allowed. No imposition of any philosophical belief is allowed. Breath is breath. <clears throat> That's all. And as I proceeded on the path, words of the saintly people from my country became clearer. Adi such, Jugadi such, Habi such, Nanakahosi be such. You start with the truth. Truth, 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 nothing but truth. And in this technique, you will find every step that you take of the truth. You experience initially very gross, very gross truth, but truth pertaining to yourself. And then as you proceed, subtler, subtler reality, subtler reality, subtlest reality pertaining to the entire material structure. Subtlest reality pertaining to the entire mental structure, the mental contents. And then one transcends that and experiences something which is ultimate truth. The entire field of mind and matter, by experience one understands, this is so ephemeral. 
एवरी मोमेंट अराइजिंग पासिंग अराइजिंग पासिंग अनित्य अनित्य दिस इज द ट्रूथ एंड मोर एंड मोर वन रियलाइज दिस ट्रूथ अराइजिंग पासिंग अराइजिंग पासिंग देन द टेंडेंसी टू रिएक्ट Every sensation that arises because of the contact of mind and matter might be pleasant, might be unpleasant. The old habit pattern was to react with craving and clinging, raga. Whenever there is a pleasant sensation, raga. Whenever there is an unpleasant sensation, dvesha. This habit pattern of raga, dvesha, craving, aversion, craving, aversion, constantly going on at the depth of the mind. and unless this habit pattern is broken you can't become vita raga you can't become vita dvesha you can't be free from raga and dvesha and you can't be free from ignorance vita moha because you don't know what is happening and now you started understanding what is happening at the experiential level how i keep on harming myself then from the fourth day onwards the mind becomes so sharp because you are working on a small area and because you were working with the truth it was imagination mind will get absorbed in that obje- imagination but you are far away from the truth be with the truth as it is as it is mind become sharper sharper subtler subtler more and more sensitive it starts experiencing subtler realities realities pertaining to this physical structure every moment the entire physical structure there is some biochemical reaction or the other some mag- electromagnetic reaction or the other which results in this physical sensation or that physical sensation every moment there is a sensation on every part of the body every particle of the body every atom of the body there is some sensation or the other mind is not sharp enough to feel all that this three days practice practice continuous practice that's why these are residential courses you have to stay there day and night and keep on working nothing but this as the instruction is given mind becomes sharp sharp more and more sensitive you start feeling different kinds of sensation in this area you are working on this area for three days maybe heat maybe perspiration maybe throbbing pulsing vibrating tingling heaviness numbness ordinary natural normal physical sensations you observe just observe don't react if the pleasant sensation is pleasant don't react with raga with craving unpleasant don't react with aversion dvesha just observe from fourth day onwards you start scanning the whole body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes and you find entire body there is some sensation or the other initially some parts of the body might go blank but as you keep on working working very soon you reach the stage where you start experiencing all the different kinds of sensations initially very solidified intensified unpleasant gross sensations like pain pressure heaviness numbness but slowly they get dissolved no imagination as you observe absorber dividing dissecting disintegrating dissolving entire physical structure dissolved entire mental structure initially very intense emotion may arise observe observe divided 
dissected, disintegrated, dissolved, vibration, vibration. This super scientist of spirituality of India, he was not a founder of any religion. People misunderstood his teachings. He was a super scientist to go to the depth of the reality and find out why people become miserable and find out how you can come out of that misery in a scientific way. No blind faith is involved. No blind belief is involved. This super scientist discovered so many things, so many realities. All the teachers before Buddha, at the time of Buddha, and even after Buddha, the teaching in my country was don't react to the outside sensual objects. You see a shape, a form, color, light, beautiful, you react with craving. Ugly, you react with aversion. Similarly, sound comes in the ear. Smell comes in contact with the nose. Taste comes in contact with the tongue. Something tangible comes in contact with the body. A thought comes in contact with the mind. And you react, don't react. This teaching was there. Then what was the specialty of this super scientist? He says, wrong. Apparently, it looks that you are reacting to the sensual objects, outside sensual objects when they come in contact with your sense doors. Reality is, when the outside object comes in contact with your sense door, there is a sensation in the body. If the sensation is pleasant, you start craving. Sensation is unpleasant, you start generating aversion. You generate craving and aversion on these sensations, not on the outside object. It appears to be so. It seems to be so. It is apparent truth, no doubt. But go to the real truth, real truth. You have to go to the depth of the mind, the root of the mind, which keeps on feeling the sensations on the body, and which keeps on reacting with craving, aversion, craving, aversion. Under, unless this habit pattern is broken, you are not coming out of your misery. A wonderful discovery. He didn't create it. Discovery. Like Newton didn't create anything, but the law of gravity was there, Newton or no Newton. He says very clearly, Buddha or no Buddha, the law of nature is there. Understand that with experience, and this will help you. When he says you are reacting to body sensations, a key is given to open the gateway of freedom from all miseries. It becomes so clear. I react to my sensations, body sensations. So I have to develop the faculty of feeling sensations from the grossest to the subtlest, so subtle that ultimately you reach a stage where the entire body is nothing but very subtle oscillation, oscillation going on, rising, passing, rising, passing with great rapidity. This change is taking place every moment, mind, matter, both. Experiencing this, he discovered 26 centuries back that the entire material world, including this material body, is nothing but tiny, very tiny little atoms. He used the word kalapa. Kalapa, in the language of those days, was the tiniest 
particle of the material world. You can't see with your eyes. And this also is not solid. He says vibration. Sabbo loko pakampito, pakampito. Entire universe is mere vibration, mere vibration. He experienced it. And anybody and everybody practicing Vipassana will start experiencing this. What one will gain? One will understand. Whenever I generate any impurity in my mind, there is a particular sensation with every impurity. And that makes me so miserable. For example, I generate anger, aversion towards somebody. I generate anger to harm this person because this person has insulted me or this person has harmed me. So I want to retaliate, I want to revenge. So I generate anger towards him. But before harming anybody, you started harming yourself. The words of Buddha became so clear. Pubbe hanati attanang, pacha hanati sopare. First you kill your own peace and harmony, then only you kill the peace and harmony of others. Without first harming yourself, you can't harm anybody. Then the morality, the teaching of morality becomes so clear at the scientific level, at the experiential level. I can't kill anybody unless I generate enormous amount of anger, hatred, ill will, animosity. Whole body starts burning. I get a burning sensation in the whole body. The palpitation increases. Tensions get built up. I am a miserable person. I steal something not belonging to me. I have to generate a lot of greed. Then only I steal. And one who has reached the dead depth of the mind will see. As soon as greed arises, I have lost the balance of my mind. I have lost the peace of my mind. I have lost the harmony of my mind. I wanted to harm somebody to steal something, I have started harming myself. One conduct, sexual misconduct, rape. You can't do that unless you generate tremendous amount of lust, passion. And you notice a sensation because of which you lost, lost the peace of your mind, harmony of your mind. You are a miserable person. You speak lies and try to deceive anybody. You speak harsh words to hurt anybody. You start generating certain impurities which create so much of unpleasant sensation in the body. You are a miserable person. So then all the teachings of morality become so clear at the experiential level, nobody wants to harm oneself. There is nobody in the world who likes to harm oneself. Everyone wants to live a peaceful life, a happy life, a harmonious life. Yet, without knowing what one is doing, one keeps on harming oneself, keeps on harming oneself. This one cannot realize just by listening to discourses or reading scriptures. One has to experience, experience. What important role this sensation play in our life? Somebody comes to me, I am an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I want to come out of alcohol. I can't come out. I've heard Vipassana helps. Please help me. I tell him the words of Buddha. 
you are not addicted to alcohol. This is only apparent truth. It looks so, it appears to be so. You are actually addicted to the sensation that you get by taking alcohol. There is a particular type of sensation and at the depth of your mind, it starts liking it, wonderful. And whenever you remember alcohol, you start getting the same sensation and you crave for it and you take alcohol. You are taking alcohol to get the sensation and this technique will help you. Observe sensation. Observe sensation, pleasant, unpleasant. Just observe. Understand it is ephemeral. It's not going to last forever. And you come out of it. So many people, so hard alcoholics, hard druggists, taking drug. Of course, people alcohol, taking alcohol, it takes one course of 10 days or two course of 10 days. In cases of drug, we have to keep one dhamma worker with every, every case. And it may take longer, four or five, ten-day courses, but people come out of it. The government of Australia has accepted this technique to help their, their people, especially the younger generation, to come out of drugs. In Switzerland, in Germany, at the government level, they have started to use Vipassana so that people come out of this misery. Addiction is addiction. Not addiction of these intoxicants. One gets addiction to all the impurities of the mind, addicted to passion, addicted to anger, addicted to fear, addicted to ego, all the time. And one keeps on generating that, generating that, and becomes miserable, miserable. Who is responsible? It becomes so clear that for every misery that I am experiencing, at the apparent level, it looks, I am experiencing this misery because of this person, because of this situation. Yes, it is true, apparent truth. Deep inside, I am responsible. Because I have generated a particular type of sensation and I have become miserable. And this technique takes you to the depth where this particular type of sensation arises. There is a word in our country, ashrava, which means flow. Ashrava, which means intoxication. Buddha used this word, Ashrava. And the Vipassana meditator starts understanding very clearly at the experiential level. You generate anger. And as soon as you generate anger, there is a flow in the stream of the blood, a flow of a particular biochemical, very unpleasant, very unpleasant. At the depth of the mind, you don't like it. So you generate more anger, more anger, more of the ashrava, more of the ashrava, more anger, more anger, more ashrava. A vicious circle started. And you keep on making yourself miserable by generating angry anger for hours together, hours together. Same thing with the fear, same thing with the ego. Every impurity that arises in the mind flows with the chemical of the body and which makes you very miserable. How to reach that stage? Merely discourses won't help. Merely reading the scriptures won't help. One has to experience it. That is why Buddha said, don't believe. This believing won't help you. You might get satisfied. Now I know everything because I believe what our scriptures say. I believe what Buddha said. I believe what Gita says. I believe what Bible says. You believe. That's all believe. You're not experienced. Experience it. That will help you. Experience it, that will help you. 
number of rich people, very rich people, they come to the courses. It seems they've got no misery. People say they've got no misery. They've got so much money and all the comforts of the life. And yes, why they came to Vipassana course? What misery? Even the richest person, ups and downs are bound to be in the life. And whenever these vicissitudes come, even a rich person gets agitated. I myself experienced because I was from the business community. So many years of my life I was in business. How a business must become more agitated because one, when one is successful, the ego is so strong. And the moment one fails in any deal, the ego is hurt and becomes so depressed, so depressed. I failed in this particular deal, I failed, and my competitor got it. So much of jealousy. I become miserable because somebody else got it. And if that somebody else is my competitor, my misery becomes more, stronger, stronger. Depression, depression. People come with the misery of depression. I tell them, with Vipassana, you will understand, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. This was a great discovery of the super scientist. Sabbe, Dhamma, Vedana, Samosarna. Whatever, even a thought arises in the mind, it arises with a sensation on the body. So depression has a reason in your mind. There is a sensation in the body. And with the practice of Vipassana, you have developed your faculty to feel the sensation. You have developed the faculty to remain equanimous with the sensation. So accept it. There is a depression at this moment in my mind. Depression due to this or due to that is meaningless. Just depression as depression. And see what sensation? Any sensation, any part of the body at that time is related to this depression. Just keep on observing. Depression, sensation. And I have been seeing, experiencing sensation. They are not eternal. They arise to pass away. Arise to pass away. This depression related to sensation also going to pass away. Let me, have, how, let me see how long it lasts. Let me see how long it lasts. It becomes weaker, 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 passes away. A number of people who have taken vow of celibacy, especially the leaders of different religions, they have left the householder's life and taken the vow of celibacy. Good, because if you want to reach the final goal, celibacy is helpful. Certainly, but just taking the vow of celibacy doesn't help. You've taken the vow of celibacy and passion arises, lust arises, you keep on suppressing. Lust arises, you keep on suppressing. You become a psychic case, people go to the psychiatrist. Or you have committed something wrong, some wrong physical action or heinous crime of abusing children, something you've done like that, then the guilt feeling, again you are miserable, so miserable. A wonderful solution is there. Whenever passion arises, accept the fact, there is passion. Passion related to this person or that person, nothing doing. Passion is passion. There is passion in my mind. Now let me see what sensation. Keep on observing the sensation. Anitya. Anitya, Anitya, rising, passing, rising, passing, is not eternal. It can't overpower you. 
it becomes weaker, 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 passes away. A number of such cases having come to the courses, within a short period of four or five years, they start living in celibacy, fully contented, so happy, so happy. There's a solution for all the miseries of human life, but unfortunately, the technique was lost. Totally lost from India, even the word was lost. The first time my teacher said, come, come, I will teach you a wonderful technique of your country, my forefather's country in India. It is Vipassana. What Vipassana? I went back home and went through the Hindi dictionary, the word was not there. Whatever the Sanskrit dictionary I had, the word was not there. We lost even the word. What to talk of the technique? Now, fortunately, fortunately, the neighboring country maintained it in its pristine purity, and it has come up again. It spread around the world because it was non-sectarian. No question of conversion was involved. Everyone who comes from any religion starts feeling, this is, this is my religion. This is the teaching of my religion. Morality is taught by every religion. A disciplined mind is taught by every religion. A purity of mind is taught by every religion. My religion. I remember the first missionary who came, a few Christian priests and nuns, one of them a very elderly mother superior, at the end of the course says, Koinka, you are teaching Christianity in the name of Buddha. I am teaching. I am teaching spirituality, which is common with everybody. I know Jesus Christ, a wonderful person, such a saintly person, such a pure-hearted person, and he taught purity of heart, and he taught love, compassion, goodwill. But how will you get it? Unless you practice. And your practice is to remove the impurities, that's all. You won't have to practice to generate love, compassion, goodwill. So long as you are having these impurities, craving, aversion, ego, fear, etc., you can't generate real love, can't generate real real compassion, real goodwill. Remove them, mind becomes pure, automatically full of love, full of compassion. When they see that happening in the courses, such large number of people are coming. More than 2,000 Christian priests have come, more than 500 Jain Munis have come, and so many Hindu sannyasis, Buddhist monks, nuns, they all are coming. Without feeling this is a foreign language or a foreign technique or, or foreign religion. Swadharma, this is our dharma. Morality is our dharma. Purifying the mind is our dharma. It's also a dharma, swadharma, swadharma. I also, within those ten days, I found I was so much mistaken. I never knew what Buddha taught. Fifteen thousand pages of his own words, own teaching, thirty-five thousand pages of commentaries, sub-commentaries, totally lost from our country. Not a single page available. Fortunately, the neighboring countries maintained it, the technique as well as the words. When we go through this, we find what a wonderful super scientist this person was. Buddha or no Buddha, he says, the law of nature is there, this will happen. Whenever out of ignorance you generate impurity, you are bound to suffer. Nobody can help you to come out of it. And then the words of some of the saints became so clear. I was a great bhakt of Narsi Mehta, a wonderful saint of our country. And he says, Sharira Sodhye Vina 
उसार नहीं सांपड़े शरीर सोधे बिना अनलेस यू रियलाइज द ट्रुथ विद इन द फ्रेमवर्क ऑफ द बॉडी यू कांट रीच द रियल एसेंस ऑफ धम्मा यू कांट रीच इट विल बी ऑल सुपरफिशियल एट द सरफेस लेवल ही हैड डन दैट एट द डेप्थ लेवल एंड दैट इज समथिंग विच हैज टू बी प्रैक्टिस्ड मेयर एक्सेप्टिंग इट मेयर बिलीविंग इट mere having attachment to this my religion says so my buddhism says so my hinduism says so my christianity says so what one gains so all those who have found time to come to come to this meeting to understand vipassana this is just to give you an information but actual benefit can be arrived only if you spare 10 days of your life there are many techniques many students who learn from me have started started teaching just to help the surface level of the mind good at least people get something at the surface level of the mind the behavior pattern at the depth remains the same and vipassana wants you to go to the depth and for that 10 days very important very important just surgical operation of the mind to go to the root level and one has to spare 10 days of the life in this tradition a dharma guru a teacher is not supposed to ask any donation any money yes no money but still i ask donation what donation i ask you to give me 10 valuable days of your invaluable life give me for your good for your benefit or maybe through you for the good and benefit of so many others so many others all of you who have found time today may spare 10 days of your life learn this wonderful technique an art of living how to live peacefully and harmoniously within and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony a way of life a code of conduct a peaceful way of life ideal human way of life may all of you enjoy real peace real harmony real happiness real happiness any questions what questions the subject is so clear they have understood oh still good <laughs> good you said a christian becomes a better christian etc etc what about the agnostic or the atheist one becomes a good human being you call him by any name it makes no difference somebody following this religion or that religion or no religion makes no difference one purifies the mind lives a better life full of love compassion goodwill for others is a good human being and this is what vipassana teaches there's a 10 day course in this region in august how do i get more information about it how do i prepare for it don't prepare anything <laughs> come with a clean slate but information you will get from the management here they will tell you
could you please say something about the teachers of your 10-day courses? How are they trained and qualified? My fundamental question, why should I trust these teachers? I have never met or even heard about them. <laughs> Come for 10 days, give them an opportunity to serve you, then you will know what sort of teachers are they. A proper training is given. Training, first one must be a good Vipassana meditator oneself. And one must reach a stage where there is a lot of love and compassion, selfless, without expecting anything in return from the student. Then only one is trained. And another thing we have to see very careful, anybody who is trained must have a independent livelihood. Otherwise, teaching dharma, he will say, give money, I have taught the dharma. Ten-day course, so many dollars, thousand dollars, twenty-day course, twenty thousand dollars, all those things will start then dharma will not be dharma. Dharma cannot become a commercial commodity. The moment you make it a commercial commodity, it is no more dharma, it gets polluted. So we have to be very careful when we train somebody, this person must have an independent livelihood. When observing sensations, how does one know that he is really observing sensations and not something else made up in the mind? This is what you will learn while you are there If there is imagination, then you will be creating something. You are imagining something, you are giving auto-suggestion and things start happening according to that. Then this is not Vipassana. That thing happens naturally. Naturally. Apu-va-paniranjana-soi. The word of a very saintly person in our country. Thapiyane jayi, okitane hoi. Don't impose, don't impose your philosophical belief on the reality that you experience. Don't create anything. Let it happen naturally. That is the invisible God Almighty that you are experiencing, the truth, truth which will take you to the ultimate truth. How much does it cost to attend a 10-day course? Can you give? Can you give the cost? It is so invaluable. We can't put a value tag on this. The moment you put value tag, it is no more vipassana, it is no more dhamma, it is no more spirituality. Everything is free. 10-day teaching is free. 10-day boarding and lodging is free. Nothing is charged. At the end of the course, those who are comfortable, they feel, because they get so much benefit within 10 days. It gives result here and now, not that after 10 years you will get benefit, or after death you will get benefit, here and now. Then a feeling comes automatically for others, may more and more people get this wonderful technique, the wonderful dhamma, and come out of misery. So one gives donation, without asking. If you start asking people money, or if you start putting a tag value on that, then how the poor people, large number of Jopadpati people, poorest of the poor, they are coming to the courses. So a dhamma is always for everyone, not for a few people, not only for the rich people, no cost. But still there is cost as I told you. You have to give ten valuable days of your invaluable life to get this. That you have to give. Is it selfish to seek enlightenment only for oneself? 
one who practices vipassana it becomes impossible that i am working this to get liberation for myself impossible one starts thinking about others look all around people are miserable the have nots are obviously miserable because they are have nots look these haves still they are so much e- miserable all the time generating ego generating aversion hatred they are so miserable if these miserable people of the world they get this wonderful technique they will come out of their misery one starts thinking about others liberating everyone else as far as one's capacity is to help so that more and more people come to the courses and get liberated minimum age requirement vipassana <laughs> should be given before birth pregnant mothers keep on coming to the courses and they know they are not working only for themselves they are also working for the child the good vibration that the child gets wonderful vibration of peace of harmony if the mother remains all the time agitation this is the message you are giving to the child of agitation of misery now the mother gives the message of peace harmony love compassion and the child that comes out is a dhamma baby dharma baby so many <laughs> many pregnant mothers are coming i want a dhamma baby i have come here to get a dhamma baby and they get dhamma baby <laughs> vipassana course same for all individuals yes same because the misery is the same the impurity are the same when you generate anger you can't say this is hindu anger or muslim anger or christian anger anger is anger and the misery that you get because of that is also the same misery you can't say this is hindu misery or buddhist misery or christian misery or jewish misery misery and when you come out of that impurity and you you experience peace harmony you can't label this is hindu peace or buddhist peace peace is peace so it is for everybody because the melody is universal so the remedy has to be universal it can't be sectarian where does the impurities come from or why the mind creates raga and dvesha this is what you have to inquire going through inside by experience you will know where it starts and how it starts and why it starts and knowing that you will come out of that habit because of ignorance you don't know what you are doing deep inside you just keep on generating misery for yourself by generating raga and dvesha and when you come to that stage you generated raga and you find you lost the balance of your mind lost the peace of your mind you generated dvesha aversion you lost the balance of your mind certainly you start coming out of this bad habit and people start changing themselves good liberated <laughs> yeah